Hi guys, welcome to another episode of the show. More specifically, welcome to another Ask Rach, which are episodes where listeners call in from all over the world and ask me questions and then I answer them. That's that's it. If you want professional advice, I am not your girl. But if you're looking for the wisdom of a stranger on the internet, hit me up. The hotline is 737-400-4626. You leave a voicemail just like an old school answering machine. You can ask us to not include your name or your voice or any of it. It can be totally anonymous. And you can ask any old thing at all. Hi, I'm Rachel Hollis, and this is my podcast. I spend so many hours of every single week reading and listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and trying to find out as much as I can about the world around me. And that's what we do on this show. We talk about everything, life and how to be an entrepreneur. What happened to dinosaurs? What's the best recipe for fried chicken? What's the best plan for intermittent fasting? What's going on with our inner child? How's therapy working out for you? Whatever it is my guests are into, I want to unpack it so that we can all understand. These are conversations. This is information for the curious. This is the Rachel Hollis Podcast. Before we do that, two things I want to make sure and talk about. Number one, we are still in the month of December, which means there is still time for you to join us in our gift card drive. I hope you've heard about it on the show, in email, on my social media, but this month we are doing a gift card drive with Covenant House, which is an organization that's been around since the 70s. They're throughout North America, so Canada, the US, they're actually in South America as well. Their whole mission is to come alongside and support homeless youth. So these are typically teenagers up through early 20s who are experiencing homelessness. They don't have a place to stay. They don't have resources. They don't have the support that they need. And I reached out to Covenant House and I said, I have the most amazing community. Is there something that we could do this holiday season to support the youth in your program. And they were like, honestly, if you sent gift cards, then the kids could actually buy themselves whatever they want. And that could be necessities, that could be a pair of shoes, that could be something that they've been dreaming of. So that's what we're doing. If you haven't heard about it yet, go check out the show notes and you can see where you can send your gift card. And a little holiday note, the kids and I made Christmas cards and then I tucked $25 gift cards into each one of the notes and we them off to Covenant House in New York. But please, if you got a little extra money to spend and you can show up for these kids, please help us do that. If you don't have extra money, but you've got some time, go check out show notes as well because Covenant House gave us some options for volunteering that you can do virtually. So all sorts of ways to get involved and show your love. Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. 
Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas at $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Debit card users, listen up. You've worked hard for your money. Now it's time to make it work even harder for you. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can get cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Earn on things like gas, groceries, and even that midday latte. And to top it off, there are no fees, period. Yep, that means you won't be charged fees on your checking account. Transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. And the second thing I wanted to remember is to give a shout out to my listeners in Mexico. I was looking at the recap. Spotify does a recap of podcasts. So I didn't even know this existed, but there's like a back door of the podcast on Spotify. So I could actually see who's listening and where they're at. And The show is listened to all over the world, but the top five countries, four of them are English-speaking countries, so the U.S., Canada, England, Australia, but the fifth biggest country of listeners in the world is Mexico. So hola, mi amigas. Oh, I'm going to try this and probably get it wrong. Estoy tan contenta de que estés aquí. I hope I said that right, and if I didn't, I hope I made some kind of sense to you, but I'm very glad that you're here, and it's really rad that you are fifth biggest country, so thanks for being here. Feel free. We have had callers call into Hotline from all over the world. We had someone call in once from Africa. We had someone call in from the Middle East. Uh, It's been really incredible to hear honestly, the commonality. The longer I do this work, the more I understand that it doesn't matter where you are in the world. As women, we tend to face the same challenges no matter where we are. And I love that connection. So would love to hear more from you guys. 737-400-4626 is the hotline. And let's jump into today's questions. The last time I did this, I didn't listen to questions in advance, and I actually thought it was pretty fun because then you're getting my real-time perspective without any preparation, which feels a little bit more like real life. So today, let's go to – okay, let's try this one. It says it's about anxiety, so let's see what kind of anxiety we have over here. Hi, Rachel. My name is Sarah, and I am a stepmom to teenagers, and I just listened to your um, anxiety episode, and it really hit home because these kids all have anxiety, and they all act like it's totally normal because everyone has it, and they don't do anything about remedying it, and it's something that I'm always trying to talk to them about, and then they always tell me, oh, well, it's just everybody has it. It's normal. It almost seems like it's the cool in hit thing to be is, you know, high anxiety. I wanted to know what your thoughts were on kids that have anxiety and not 
work through it, uh, you know, with therapy or any tools that they can use, um, you know, how effective is that? Because I assume, you know, you can't take this medication forever. So if you could uh, talk about that, that'd be really great so I can share it with my family. Thanks. Bye. Okay, Sarah, thank you so much for the question. And as a mom of teenagers, I got to tell you, I'm seeing the same thing. And it's pretty scary because my fear in this is if this generation, this younger generation, normalizes a state of anxiety, then will they do anything to help themselves feel better? Like if you're 14 or 16 and you're already experiencing severe anxiety and everyone around you is doing the same thing, will you ever understand that there are steps that you can take that will make you feel better? I was talking to one of my teenagers the other day and he told me that everyone, he's like literally mom, almost every kid in high school is vaping. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, like everyone. And um, I was so confused by that statement because I, I mean, I just have so many questions. Like, do their parents know? He's like, of course their parents don't know. And I'm like, well, how do they get the vape? And he's like, mom, come on. It's so easy. But, and then I felt, because I was like, I'm sorry, I'm so dumb right now. Are they smoking pot? And he's like, no, they're smoking. It's essentially like cigarettes, but it's in a vape. And then that blows my mind because I, I sound like such a square, but do we not, literally, I was saying this to him, I'm like, do kids not understand about lung cancer or any, he's like, yeah, but when you're a teenager and that feels so far away, that doesn't really come into your thought process. And I was like, that's so dangerous. That's so horrible. And he's like, yeah, but you know, what's worse is like, they have to have it. They're all addicted to it. They're all literally like jonesing for a hit. And he was telling me that it comes in flavors, like the vape comes in flavors. So one of his friends, it's like a Red Bull flavor. I'm like, first of all, that sounds like vomit, disgusting. But also, oh, this is terrifying because we're reaching now for things that have been prescribed as like, this will help your anxiety get better. So everyone's drowning in anxiety and now we're vaping and now there's all of this stuff. They were telling me about one of their friends who has a drinking problem. Yo, this person is in high school and not senior year of high school. And certainly I knew, I think we all probably knew kids in high school that did drugs, that partied, that would... But to have someone who's essentially self-medicating with alcohol at 15 years old, 16 years old, this is scary. And they have access to the internet and they have access to social media. And the people that they're seeing or idolizing aren't just their age group. So this, if you are the parent of a teenager or a young adult 
or someone who's going to be a teenager or young adult soon, or you're, you're an auntie or an uncle. There's someone, there's a kid in your life that you love. We really have to be aware of this. And we really have to be in conversation with our teens and our preteens about what this is. I had the most intense conversation with the kids about fentanyl. I had Elisa Hollerman on the show a few weeks ago. Maybe you guys heard it. And she was talking about addiction. She's an addiction specialist and a former addict herself. And she was telling me about fentanyl. And I talked to her and I talked to Dr. Drew and they both said the same things. They're like, yeah, the media keeps asking, both of them said some version of this. Like the media asks us, you know, what happens to your patients who are on fentanyl or who try fentanyl? And they both were like, I don't have patients on fentanyl because they die. There isn't like a, oh, I go and do this thing and then I come back from it. If you guys are not already aware of what's going on with teenagers in this country where they're trying what they think is a Xanax, they're trying what they think is Coke, they're trying what they think is, I'm using air quotes, but like a safe drug from a friend and they don't realize that it's laced with fentanyl and they die. And I'm not trying to be a fear monger. This is not, you know me guys, like that's not my deal. But as the adults in these children's lives, we need to be aware of this stuff. And we cannot be afraid to talk to our kids about it. And again, this is my perspective. You could talk to your pediatrician. You could talk to a child psychologist. Everyone's going to have a different opinion. But you came to me, and so here's mine. I am taking my four children away this weekend to go skiing. And I think if you're a parent like me, you understand how important it is to have a kitchen available to you when you have four kids, which is why Airbnb is always the place that I head to just make the vacation easier. And I have always used Airbnb as a place to stay, whether it was for work or family or a girl's weekend. But more and more, my friends are using Airbnb in a totally different way as a business, as a way to invest in property and earn money for it. While you're away, your home could be an Airbnb. Hosting can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some extra money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Almost every morning of my life, I have oatmeal. Seriously, during the winter, having something hot in the morning really makes a big difference in my day. Quaker has been a trusted name in oatmeal for over 145 years, which means they've been milling oats since before the invention of the zipper, the stop sign, or ballpoint pens. Quaker has something for everyone, whether it's old-fashioned or quick oats that are good for cooking or baking. And while a ton of things have changed, the good stuff remains the same. Quaker, getting up to some good since 1877. Look for Quaker Oats at your local grocery store. Guys, 
No two listeners of the show are exactly alike, which means that no two vacations you take are going to be exactly alike either. And if you're looking for a place that will serve all of you, Texas has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities that allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. I love Texas so much, I moved my family there for five years. Because here's the deal, Texas has it all. Are you a beach person? We got you. If you love a rugged vacation, not my jam, but there's plenty of campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. My favorite part about Texas the food. It is the thing I miss the absolute most. Whether you love barbecue or Tex-Mex or just want to be in cities that take their food very seriously. You can enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. Visit TravelTexas.com slash get your own to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash get your own. I do not parent from a abstinence is the only way. That was how I was parented. That's how it was when I was in high school. It was like, never have alcohol, never do drugs, never have sex, never. You're, well, there was a whole deeply messed up religious undertone to that. But Y'all, it's 2023. We know at this point that just telling your kid not to do something because you said it's wrong, how effective is that? And maybe it is for your kid, but like, let's just look at all teenagers. We're all intelligent enough to say that's probably not the best method to try and steer a kid around anything. Teenagers today are smarter than they have ever been. They have more access than they've ever had. You have to have real conversations with them. When I wanted to talk to the kids about fentanyl and I wanted to explain the dangers of fentanyl, I was so real. I was like, you cannot take drugs from friends at parties. You can't. I don't care who the friend is. I don't care if they just pop the pill and you feel good. I don't I don't care what it is. And I was explaining to them what's happening and talking about all these kids who are dying. Now, to the best of my knowledge, neither one of my teenagers are in groups of friends or they don't go to parties. They don't do that kind of thing where, you know, someone's standing in a back room trying to like, hey, man, try this, like... That's not the environment that I am aware on any level that either one of my teenagers are in. But I'm not stupid. I was the goodiest two-shoes, goody-goody teenager. And from the time I was very young, I was in experience, had a friend's house who had older siblings, like different things where I was around alcohol. I was around drugs. Like I could have done those things. It was petrified of not being a good girl that kept me from doing it, but I'm not going to assume that my kids aren't going to be presented with an opportunity. So I just have real conversations. You can't do drugs. You can't do drugs. You can't do drugs from your friends if they're telling you like it's not. Now, I know 
that doesn't make sense because then who can you do drugs from? I hope they never try and like put that together. But I just wanted to stress that over and over and over and over. I don't care who is offering it to you. Assume that everything that everyone has is like deadly. That that was the conversation. I've had 1,000 conversations about sex. I've answered every question and I'm sure they still have more. I have talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. And I hope that honest, real conversations where I'm just holding space for what they're going through, what they're seeing, what they're, you know, hearing their friends talk about. I'm hopeful that that means we have the kind of relationship where whenever they start thinking that they're at an age where they want to try and have sex, that they'll come to me and I can chop off their penis. That was to make you laugh, guys. I definitely would never do that. <laughs> Telling kids don't ever have sex, like, come on. Better to have real, honest conversations where you actually meet your kid, where you know who they are, where you understand their fears, their concerns, their desire to be liked or to be popular or their anxieties. And this is just another one of those things that I think we have to be in conversation with our kids about, not once, not twice, but constantly, constantly. What, you know, hey, what is, what does this feel like? Ask open-ended questions like, oh, I wonder how it feels, you know, to have your friends getting straight A's. Like, how does that make you feel? And, oh, you got this grade. And like, what does that do? And, oh, your friend has anxiety. How does that, how does she process that? And what does that look like? And what does that make you feel? And just keep asking questions and asking questions without an agenda attached to it because that's how you're going to get answers. And as you start to get answers, if you get their truth and you immediately try and shut down their truth and insert your own, you're never going to get answers again. Better to actually know your kid and what they're experiencing and what they're going through. You maybe heard the conversation I shared with y'all a few weeks ago about my oldest and him being so hard on himself about his grades. That is a self-decided thing. Like I could not care less. I care that they're good people. I don't care that they get good grades. But he, you know, he's really hard on himself about his grades and he always has been. He is an excellent student. But he can very easily get anxious about basically not having perfect grades. And so I just had a long conversation with him and like broke it all the way down to like the core. And I was like, okay, let's just like play this all the way out. What if you fail every class? Then what happens? And he would answer and be like, okay, and then what happens? And he would answer. And then, and we basically, this is a powerful thing for anybody who has anxiety. If you keep having anxiety about the same external stuff, to just keep going, okay, and then what happens? And then what happens? And then what happens? Until you basically get down to a core level where you're like, okay, well, everyone I love is still safe and healthy. I still got a roof over my head. I still, you know, whatever fear you have created for yourself in this anxiety bubble, you can typically pop 
with that process. And in doing that with him, I'm trying to teach him how to walk himself through anxious thoughts. But the kinds of anxiety that our youth are dealing with are not just anxious thoughts brought on by external things. It's also just, it's emotional stuff. It's mental health. It's sometimes needing to involve a therapist, a pediatrician, a psychologist. There's lots of things that you need to arm yourself with when it comes to this topic because every single child is different. Every single human is different. But what I would just blanket piece of advice for everyone listening that I think can be helpful to all of us is for you, adult listening to this, to make sure that you have information about how to manage anxiety and stress. Are you practicing that in a way that they can see? Do they see you going on walks? Do they see you working out? Do they see you meditating, breathing exercises? Do they see you leave on a Saturday and your teenager has to watch the younger kids because they know that mommy's going to a therapy session? Well, mom, why are you in therapy? Oh, because, you know, sometimes I feel anxious and it really helps me to process what I'm feeling emotionally. Are you modeling behavior for them that shows them how to process things? Are you aware of adaptogens? Do you know about holy basil? Do you know about different supplements that you can buy over the counter that are incredible for mood? Are you aware of that stuff and do they see you practice it? And are you regularly in conversation with your kids. And I don't mean once a week on Sunday nights at dinner. I mean every day that you can. Are you talking to them every day? Are you energetically, like how are they doing? Are you checking it out? Are you responding to surface level emotions or are you looking deeper? As the parent of teenagers and knowing other parents of teenagers, it's really interesting for me to watch how other adults process behavior. And I don't have context for every person's story and I don't know, you know, obviously the full history, but what I find shocking is how many parents call their teenagers disrespectful. They get super pissed. They're like, they're being disrespectful. They're disrespecting me. Their teenager will go through a mood swing. They'll be a jerk. They'll be pissed off. They'll say something rude or snarky, whatever. And the parents are like, don't disrespect me. Now the parents are all like, their backs up. They're like pissed off. You disrespectful, blah, 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 being disrespectful. Y'all, people do not suddenly change emotion for no reason. My kids can act like punks. My kids can be rude. My kids can talk back. My kid, And you better believe that when they do, my first response is like, what? I'm sorry. Uh, who do you think you're talking? Like that is response number one, right? Because I'm like, no, you're going to know right now that what you just, the tone you just said at the what, all of that, not okay. So my initial moment is like, ooh, like I'll call attention to it. 
I'll call it out. I'll be like, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Like I'll change the entire tone of what just happened. And then now I've called this moment out. Now they're like, we've sort of snapped out of whatever that energy was. And I'm like, what's going on? I'll be like, babe, let, let's come in my room for a minute. Let's go up to your room. I'll take them away from the other siblings. Cannot stress this enough. It is so discouraging for you to get on to your kids in front of the other kids, especially if a younger sibling is getting in trouble in front of an older sibling that they look up to. Be smarter about this, parents. Just in the same way, if you're in your office, if your boss had an issue with you or you're a boss and you have an issue with one of your teammates, you don't reprimand them in front of everybody. You're like, hey, come in my office for a minute. It's the same vibe with your kid. When your kid does something, they're rude, they're sad, they're withdrawing, they're doing something that you are like, oh, this is a not normal behavior. Don't assume it's because they're a teenager and they're a jerk. Assume that something's wrong. What, like this, it makes my blood boil. This like, oh, teenagers are disrespectful. Yo, teenagers are dealing with 1,000 hormones they don't know how to navigate, plus the stress of school, plus the comparison thing, plus they just broke up with their girlfriend, plus, 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 plus. And you don't know any of it because when they did something you didn't like, you made it about you. Your kid mouthed off and you're like, you're disrespecting me. Dude, it's not about you. Why are you making this thing personal? Your kid just cried for help. Your kid just told you something's not right with me. And you made it about you. And you called them disrespectful or you called them a jerk or you did something. You reprimanded them in front of everybody else in the family. You embarrassed them. Now their wall is higher. Now they're more pissed off. Now you took the energy up to the highest level. I say this all the time. People talk so much crap about teenagers. Teenagers are my favorite age so far. This is my favorite aged parent. They're funny. They're fun. They have interesting perspective. Their friends are weird. Their clothes are cool. Like, I love it. And it doesn't mean it's easy. But if my kid does something that feels emotionally or energetically off, I assume something's wrong. And every single time when I come at them from a place of compassion instead of anger, every time I end up getting a teenage boy who's crying because he's stressed out. I end up getting a kid who tells me that he's in a fight with one of his friends, who tells me that you know, he really liked this girl and then she just started dating another boy at school and it really hurt his feelings. I get truths. I get their heart. I get to know who they are and I understand the stressors in their life. But if you come at your kids assuming that they're your enemy and that it's your job to make sure they're respectful, get out of here. Good for you. you you're going to demand respect. What kind of relationship are you going to have? This is what also astounds me. Some of y'all are thinking that these kids are going to put up with you no matter what because you're family. Mm-mm. These next generations are educated on trauma. 
They're educated on what is an unhealthy parenting philosophy. They're educated on narcissism. They're educated on stuff that we did not know about. To me, being healthy is really grounded in nutrition. Honestly, what I eat and what my kids eat is super important to how we live our lives. It's why I love a company like Thrive Market because Thrive Market carries brands with the highest quality ingredients and sourcing methods. They restrict hundreds of ingredients across their food and cleaning categories. So when I go online and I use their on-site filters, I can figure out exactly my lifestyle needs and trust that what I'm getting from Thrive Market is what I want to take into my body. When you join Thrive Market, you're also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. You can join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. Go to thrivemarket.com slash rach for 30% off your first order plus a free $60 gift. That's T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash rach thrivemarket.com slash rach this episode is brought to you by progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly 750 dollars on average plus auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's a lot of parents doing a half-assed job or taking out their anger, their issues, their stuff on their teens and just assuming that it'll all be fine. And if you got a teenager, that means you got a good chance that there's only, what, two years left, three years left with them at home? You think suddenly, what, someone's going to wave a wand and the relationship you didn't have is going to magically appear when they're in college? Right now is your opportunity. Right now is your chance to connect. You're caring so much about how they act that you've lost sight of how they feel. It's not okay. If you want to learn your teen and you want to know what's making them anxious or scared or fearful, you have to have a relationship with them. A relationship is not one-sided. I'm sorry. I'm sure a lot of you have different parenting philosophies. But I want to raise good kids. I want to raise loving kids. I want to raise healthy, emotionally healthy children. And they have to be respectful of themselves and other human beings. But when we're in a moment where we feel an energy shift... Or when someone says something and they're too harsh, they're too harsh with a sibling, whatever, I don't ever assume it's because they're a jerk. 
I assume it's because, okay, let's step in with some compassion. I try and parent the way I wish I had been parented. And I bet if you thought about it, you could come up with some ways you wish you had been parented. I was actually thinking about this today, how as a parent, I do all of these things that I don't even know if my kids care, but I realize how many things I do because I wished I'd had it when I was little. So there's a handful of things that I associate with like really good moments in my childhood because they were sort of fleeting. (laughs) This is just real. My house smells amazing. My house always smells amazing. Candles, essential oils, Palo Santo. When you walk into my home, it smells really good. It's like home because every once in a while, my mom would have like a, a good smelling candle and she would light it if like company was coming over to make the house smell good. And it always felt like if I came in the door, it was like, oh, this is fun. Like something's going to happen. The house smells good. But also why, I mean, this is maybe being a child of the 80s, but the whole philosophy was that we made the house better for company, but never for our family. Like we would always have so many things broken in our house or like, I remember, I've talked about this before, but my dad had a really bad temper. And one night he got really angry at my mom and he punched a hole in the wall. And this is so fucked. I, and I haven't really thought of it in these terms, maybe ever. The hole he punched in the wall stayed there for like years. Literally, I'm not exaggerating. At some point, I think he was so embarrassed that there was a hole in the wall that he cut a square around it. He cut a square in the wall so it wasn't a hole anymore. It was now a square because he was going to like patch over it, but he never did because they never improved our house. They, we just lived in it. And the reason it's fucked is because every time that we'd go to move out of the house, and this was like rental, we didn't own the homes, but like every time it was like, okay, we are going to move to a different place. My parents would go on this like fix up thing because they both had been in construction. They knew how to patch the hole in the wall. They knew how to fix the toilet. They knew how to replace those lights. They knew how to do those things. And so they finally would go the month before we moved and they'd fix everything. But we had lived in a house with holes in the wall because of my dad's violence every day. It was in the dining room. There are pictures of like birthday parties and dinners with that fucking hole in the wall. Like I've never thought about how insane it is that we all just had to look at trauma every day while we ate dinner. And I'm sure that my dad had to feel some shame about having to look at that every day. But they never made things nice unless other people were going to enjoy it. And I don't want that for my kids. So the house always smells good. We're always cooking. There's always food. Because food scarcity was a huge part of my childhood. Fear of not knowing where food was going to come from. If company was going to come over, man, they'd really pull it all out because my parents are incredible cooks. 
But if it was just us, <coughs> ooh, my throat chakra getting getting thrown off by speaking these truths. Woo. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. I always the house always smells good. There's always food. There's always like music playing. I want it to be a nice environment. And I set the full table with the good napkins and the good plates every night we're having dinner, literally every night. When company comes over, I mean, we have like more food and we have dessert, which is not something we typically have on a weeknight. But basically, I'm trying to give my kids what I wished I'd had as a child. And I think it's powerful for you to ask yourself that question. Is there anything you wish you had had more of as a kid that you could give your kids? Because I find that it's really not difficult. It's hard to be a parent. It's difficult as hell. But doing things that make them feel happy, so easy. I have this Polaroid sitting on the desk in front of me. It's a, a picture of me painting Noah's nails. I have, you know, a little nail polish that dries pretty fast. She's five, so she's not very good at keeping her hands still so they don't get messed up. And every time I look at the picture, I think, man, it takes about eight minutes to make your daughter feel so special. It takes about eight minutes to do something. We'll just whack some pink nail polish on her little little nails doesn't take much but we're running so fast and so hard we're trying to get through it all we're trying to make sure that these kids look good to the outside world we don't spend enough making sure that we're really connecting with them in a way that we need to so yeah anxiety is a big issue for this next generation and there's a lot of other stuff that's really going to affect them too and the best chance you have of helping them navigate that is working on yourself and having a real relationship with them so that as things pop up, you can help them process that in real time. Let's do another parenting question because I feel like that was, if you're still here, I feel like you've got to actually be interested in conversations about kids. So let's go. Let's see who else here had parenting. Okay. This is this one just says mom guilt, which feels like a doozy for all of us. So let's listen in. Hey, Rachel. My name is Courtney. And my question, or shall I say topic that I would love to hear more on from you is mom guilt while trying to to have a super successful career. I feel like the constant daily struggle is there as far as, you know, letting people saying someone else is raising your kids or not spending enough time with them or, you know, whatever the case may be. But I feel like a lot of moms deal with this uh, day in and day out while trying to hold a career and be super successful in it and keep following those goals in their professional career at the same time as their personal life. I'm looking to grow my family in the next year or two. I currently only have one child, but I'm I'm worried that the mom guilt is only going to intensify as my family grows. So anyways, I would love to know your thoughts. Thanks. Courtney, such a good one. Something that so many women deal with. Women, 
deal with. Because you know there's no buzzwords called dad guilt. It's just a mom thing. And that means it's just a woman thing. What I can tell you about this, having suffered with it pretty severely myself when my kids were little, is you have a choice. You absolutely have a choice about whether or not you choose to engage in this feeling of guilt. And I'm going to do my best in the next however many minutes to convince you that your guilt is a waste of your time and it is hurting your child, okay? It is not helping you in any way. And not only that, it's actually hurting your child. Let's, oh golly, let's start with the fact that mommy guilt is a first world problem. Let's just start there. Back in 2018, I had the honor of taking a trip to Ethiopia. I was working with an organization that funds Ethiopian nonprofits. So it's Ethiopians funding Ethiopian projects, not Americans coming in and being like, we know what you should do, which is a really crappy thing that Americans love to do. So it was Ethiopians funding Ethiopian projects. And in this trip, I got to go around and see all sorts of different nonprofits. I saw I saw a lot of nonprofits that were for women and for children. And lots of them were about taking women from the absolute edges of poverty. These are women who have tried everything and Ultimately, many of them ended up in prostitution because they did not have another way of supporting their children. And some of them even had to give their children to orphanages so that the kids could survive because the poverty is so intense that they had no way to live. Many of these organizations would take women from that place and would spend a year with them and give them skills, give them life skills, give them job skills, help them set up small businesses. In Ethiopia, that's things like selling produce or um, some of them became hairstylists, some of them became, they would make injera for their community. It was really cool to watch what these women had done. And in many conversations with them over the course of the 10 days I was there, whether it was women who spoke English or through a translator, what I came to understand again and again and again was that mothers in developing countries could not process mom guilt. Like when you try to explain to a mom in Ethiopia that there are women in America who have jobs that pay for food and rent and keep their children safe. When you try and explain to a mother who just fought back from prostitution and putting her children in an orphanage because she can't afford to feed them, when you try and explain to that woman that there are women here who feel guilty because they have jobs that support their family, she literally cannot understand it. And it makes you feel so small and so dumb, and so privileged. 
This woman's literally fighting for her life to be able to feed her babies. And she's still, these women were not like, oh, and I have all this money in the bank, so I'm good. No, they're living day to day. But they're so proud of what they've done. They're so proud to have a job. And we're over here, safe, comfortable, with money to go down to the grocery store, struggling, but still, I promise you, not in the place that those women were. And we feel guilty? What, what a privilege and what a gross privilege to have so much and not even understand what it must look like from a different perspective. So that's where I'd love to give you something to ground yourself in. This is a gift. Your job is a gift. You take care of your kids. You're a gift. Honestly, I dealt with this a lot. I got so much shit from in-laws and people on the internet and all of this when I worked when I was a young mother and I bought into it. And now today, my kids are older and I've had a longer time period of being a mom, but I also, I support my family, my work. My work supports my entire family. I really could not care less what someone else thinks of me for working. And I look back on myself as a young mother, which is when we're struggling the most. And I feel so sad for her because what I was experiencing and my instinct that you might be experiencing and that other women listening might be experiencing is the guilt is coming from the perspective of other people. It's either coming from the perspective of other people or it's coming from comparison. It's you comparing yourself to other moms or it's other people in your life who have a perspective on how you're supposed to show up for your kids. And neither one of those things serves you. You have got to know that comparison is the death of joy. You comparing yourself to another mother and how she's showing up in the world will rob you of the joy that you can experience as a mom. And in no way does you comparing yourself to her make you a better mother. Never, ever, ever. So why are you doing it? Oh, well, my mother-in-law or my mom or the other moms at school or whoever, you feel like you're trapped under their perspective of how you're supposed to parent? No. Mm-mm. She had her chance. Your mother-in-law had her chance. Your mama had her chance. Your sister-in-law, she's got a pit. Great. Go ahead and raise your babies however you want. These are my kids. These are my children. This is my bond. And they don't need a perfect mom. They need their mom. And their mom works. Your baby, her mom or his mom, she's a working parent. That's who she is. That's not bad. That's not good. That just is. But we compare ourselves and we're like, yeah, but that baby or those kids, they get a stay-at-home mom. Y'all, the grass is always greener. Stay-at-home mom, I can't, it's got to be the hardest job in the entire effing world. I can't even imagine how hard that is. And there are perks and advantages of being a stay-at-home mom. 
and there are perks and advantages of being a working parent and both of them suck a lot of the time because parenting sucks a lot of the time. It's also awesome a lot of the time, but it sucks a lot of the time. So if you know that it's going to be hard work that you're doing as a parent, set yourself up for success by releasing unnecessary burdens from your life. And guilt has got to be the greatest unnecessary burden that you don't need to carry because you feeling guilty is only going to make you more unhappy. And if you are more unhappy, if you're more anxious, if you're more fearful, if you're feeling bitter, if you're feeling burnout, if you're feeling any of these things, that is going to trickle down to your kids. You want to raise happy kids? Work on being happy. You want to raise healthy kids? Work on being healthy. Who you are is what you give to them. And if every day you're drowning in guilt, I freaking promise you, these babies are going to absorb it. They're going to absorb it by associating going to work with something wrong, right? Or like mommy was forced into this or mommy hated leaving because they see your anxiety and they associate it with what you're doing. Imagine what that does to daughters, They're watching you in this career. You're moving up. Everything's good. This is great. You're building this thing. But also simultaneously, you feel crappy about yourself. You think your daughter's not going to absorb that? You think your son's not going to have a perspective on, oh, yes, women can pursue the goals of their heart, but only if they feel massively terrible while they do it. What if on the alternative, you showed your children what it looks like to be a thriving, happy, healthy human? What if you showed your children that it's possible to show up well in your career or at your business and well at home and for yourself? That's powerful. Teaching your children what guilt is, that's not powerful. That's hurtful. That's how cycles of this just keep moving down the line one generation after the next. Way more powerful is you saying, nope, we don't do this anymore. We're not spending time on this. We're not giving energy to this. In fact, when you leave the house, shut off what's happening at home. And I don't mean like, don't answer your phone or don't check in on your kids. I mean, go to work and freaking crush it at work. And then when you leave work, shut off what's happening at work, go home crush it at home. Be fully present where your feet are. Do great work at home or at the office where you are at. Teach your kids that. Also, you said something about someone else say, oh, someone else is raising your kids or whatever. Nuh-uh. Mm-mm. Kick that out. Don't even let that. That sounds like the voice of an in-law to me or your mom. Mm-mm. Again, you had your chance. You had your chance to raise your kids. P.S. Mama probably did it surrounded by family members who could help her, surrounded by childcare that wasn't as expensive. Like you had all these options. So go ahead and lock it down, mom, because you already got your chance. None ya. This is none ya business. That's that piece. But also, children have an infinite capacity for love. When I was a young mother and I was really worried about the fact that my nanny 
was so close to my son and he would reach for her. Like when I would come home, he wouldn't want to leave the nanny. And oh God, that's devastating. And by the way, it's a phase. They get over it. But I was talking to a woman who had teenagers. And it's really powerful for any of you who are young mothers, talk to moms who have older kids. Talk to working moms who have older kids. That's your best bet for really empowering yourself in this. They'll give you advice and wisdom and tips and all the things. But this older mother said to me, oh, no, children have an infinite capacity for love. Why would you want your kid to be with a babysitter or a nanny that they don't love deeply? Why would you want your kid to be with a nanny that doesn't love them deeply? Of course you want that for your baby. So if that's what they're getting, this is a blessing. This is a gift. You found someone that you really love, the baby loves, and she or he loves your family. This is a gift. You need a perspective shift here. It sounds to me like your career's going really well. You have a babysitter that's really helpful, a, a child that's calm enough that you're thinking about having another one. So that says something good. Let go of this guilt created by other people and focus on gratitude for how freaking lucky you are to be in this place. And every time you have that sense of feel bad or I should be in this place or I should be in that place, just remind yourself that this is not going to serve you and that you need to be present where your feet are and go all in where your feet are and do the best you can right where your feet are. This, like anything else, is a practice. So you've had a lot of time learning to feel guilty. You'll need about the same amount of time to unlearn the guilty feeling. But like anything else, when you keep working at it, it will begin to get better. But stand up for yourself. Don't let other people say snarky things or passive aggressive things or things that are triggering to you. You have every right to remind people that this is your baby, this is your family, and you are going to parent as the parent you are, not as who someone else thinks you should be. All right, guys, I hope our conversation was helpful for you today. If you've got questions on parenting or relationships or sex or, well, um, basically anything, you can call into hotline 737-400-4626. I look forward to hearing what you've got to say. I look forward to more conversation with you soon. And until we chat again, remember, I love you and I'm rooting for you. The Rachel Hollis Podcast is produced by me, Rachel Hollis. It's edited by Andrew Weller and Jack Noble. NetCredit is here to say yes, because you're more than a credit score. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partners. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Making your cat happy is a number one priority. Priority number two is keeping a clean litter box. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter helps you do both. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter traps waste at the surface with less crumbles and absorbs more waste and odor compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Litter at a store near you today.
Fresh Step is the registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates.